But we've been studying on godly women. We've studied the creation of woman. We've studied godly women of old. We had the privilege to look at Proverbs 31 and uh, Jezebel as well. And today we're going to study, you can see the title of our lesson is Proverbs for Women. So we're going to look at some Proverbs that deal specifically with us as women, teaching us how to behave. As we know, our curriculum tells us here even Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And we need wisdom on how to behave as a woman because the world doesn't give us that wisdom. The world gives us what they think and how they think things should run, but we need God's wisdom so that we can line up to it. Uh, a lot of times we do things out of ignorance and we don't want to be ignorant. So it's, it's a privilege for us to get to look at the scriptures today and, and see what God's wisdom is for us as women. Our curriculum starts out, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. The the following are proverbs that specifically address women and their behavior. So we're going to learn about how to get some godly wisdom for for us and for our behavior. Our first proverb that we're going to look at is Proverbs 2, 11, 16 through 19. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. We can see from these these first scriptures here that the strange woman, we find out she, she had a walk with God at one time because it tells us that she forgot the covenant of her God. So this woman, although she's strange, and, and other uh, translations translate that as the loose woman, uh, that word strange to means to become estranged. So she was once with, but became estranged from God, a stranger, a foreigner. It even goes on to say prostitute or harlot. And other translations say loose woman. So this woman who has all of these attributes now, at one point in time, knew God Almighty. She had a covenant with her God. So she at one point in time was born again. Maybe she walked with him for a season. Maybe she had a relationship for some period of time. But for whatever reason, she's not doing that anymore. We can see from that that it's so critical for us as women, even as men, but we're focusing on women, to have a daily walk with God for ourselves and to not just have one experience with him today, that does nothing for us tomorrow. You know, I can look back at my life and think of some miraculous things that God's done for me, some seemingly crazy in the natural things that he's asked me to do. Uh, Some I was obedient to, some, you know, I fell. But that doesn't define who I am today. All of that got me to where I am today, but none of that is gonna do anything for me for tomorrow. I have to walk with God for today, for my tomorrows, for my family's tomorrows, for for my life to keep getting better and to stay on track, I have to keep walking with him. I can't just rejoice and say, oh, but I did these five things that God asked me to do and they were really big, but that doesn't do anything for me going forward. We have to have a steady walk with the Lord Jesus. And we get the privilege through this ministry to minister in the ladies' jail and the men's jail. And it's a sad testimony that many of those women And men, I'm sure, they're born again already. They had a covenant with their God, but they don't walk with him anymore. You know, they stepped away, whether they got born again as a child, born again as an adult, but they're no longer still serving him. 
It's not a we serve God one time and that carries us forever. There are no rollover minutes, so to speak, with God. We don't get to bank them and then carry them over to next week or next year. We have to walk with him on a daily basis. So our curriculum says, the strange woman is the first woman introduced to us in Proverbs. We find out that she used to have a walk with God. Now, anyone that follows her ends up like her, dead. Don't forsake the guide of your youth. Don't forget the covenant of your God. You know, the covenant of your God is more important than anything that this world tells you has importance. You know, the world's going to tell you a career is important. The world's going to tell you fashion is important. You know, keeping up with the Joneses, having a new car, that's going to tell you all of that stuff is important. But none of it is as important as your walk with God, as your covenant with the God, your, your Lord God Almighty. This woman now, she's, she's follow, people following her ending up dead. She's living in sin, and we know that the wages of sin are death. So when we don't continually walk with God, you know, we've heard it over and over again, there, there is no middle ground. You're either going forward or you're slipping backward. We have to make sure as, as women, godly women, that we're continually pressing forward, letting God talk to us about us and deal with us on a regular basis so that we can grow in him and not end up like the ladies in jail or the men in jail or this woman here that, that is, is causing people to sin. She's teaching them to do so. So we want to make sure that, that we're not that woman, that we live on a daily basis with our Lord Jesus and not just resting on what he's done for us in the past or things we've done with him in the past, but we're continually walking with him daily. Our next scripture is Proverbs 519, and it reads, Let her be as the loving hind in the pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And this passage in Proverbs is is talking about... Uh, marriage. It's talking about sex within the marriage. Before that, it talks about, you know, the waters of your fountain, meaning your sex drive, saying, you know, don't let them just run wild in the streets. Basically, you know, don't be loose, but be, uh, be in love with the wife of your youth. So it's talking about marriage intimacy, sex within the marriage. You know, and the words hind and row here are, are referred to a deer, which in in this time would it be like us today saying, oh, uh, Miss Eva, she's a fox. You know, it, it was a compliment. It was a good, it was an endearing term to be called a, a, a pleasant roe or a loving hind or loving hind or a pleasant roe. To be called a deer was a good thing. Um, so we see that, that women, godly women, our curriculum says, are loving and pleasant to start off with. You know, they're, they're loving and pleasant in their speech the way they talk to each other, the way they talk to other ladies, the way they talk to their children, the way they talk to their husband. You know, a godly woman isn't a nag. She isn't yelling. She isn't harsh. A godly woman is pleasant in her speech and pleasant and loving in her appearance. You know, not every woman looks the same, and we know it's not all about appearances, but if you're a married woman and you know your husband likes you know, when you wear your hair a certain way or when you wear this particular dress, why not wear that for him? Be loving to him in your appearance. You know, take care of yourself. You only get one body. You know, all of our bodies don't look the same, but take care of the one that you've been given. You know, be clean, be manicured, be sweet smelling, you know, be, be loving and pleasant to your husband's appeal. You know, you're not doing it for everyone else. 
know, I, I don't wear perfume that my husband doesn't like. You know, sometimes people will want to bless me and say, can I get this perfume for you? I can smell it and know, you know, Pastor Chris is not going to like that. So I, I really appreciate it. And I love that you want to bless me with it. But I, it's just easier for me to say no and let you save your money, you know, <laughs> not to offend you. But I'm not going to wear something that he doesn't think is, is pleasant. So a, a godly woman is loving and pleasant in her speech the way she talks to people, and in her appearance. She takes care of herself, and she, she wants herself to look nice for her husband. In our curriculum, the godly women are loving and pleasant. They are described here as dear, elegant, gentle, graceful, majestic, etc. You know, those are some words right there to be gentle in your speech, gentle with your words, gentle with your kids, gentle with your friends, graceful. The godly wife is always able to submit to her husband's sexual needs, for he is commanded to be ravished, or that word means drunk or intoxicated, with her love always. So if you've been married two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, your husband is commanded to be drunk with your love. And a godly woman will submit to that. You know, if you're denying your husband that, you're, you're causing him to sin against the Bible because the Bible's telling him to be drunk with your love. So a godly woman, not only is she, is she loving and sweet in her speech and her appearance for her husband and for all those around her, but she submits to her husband's sexual desires as well. That's part of being a godly woman, is submitting to his, his requests or his desires, allowing him to be intoxicated with your love, allowing him to enjoy the wife of his youth like the Bible tells him to. Because I promise you that if you don't allow him, the devil has someone that will. And not that that's ever, ever an excuse or ever right, but the devil wants homes to be destroyed. You know, he doesn't want the husband and wife to be in unity. He wants for things to be broken. So he's going to look for avenues for your husband to be broken. He's going to try to break that part of your marriage. And when you're just submitted to him in that regard, the, the devil doesn't have any, any foothold, so to speak. The godly wife is always able to submit to her husband's sexual needs, for he's commanded, commanded to be ravished and drunk with her love always. No, so this, this godly woman, she, she's like a deer, which is like a fox for us today. She's pleasant to look at. She's sweet in her, in her speech. She's sweet in the way she carries herself towards her husband. You know, and just in the, in the animal kingdom itself, I saw a deer on my way to church today. And I think it was a girl deer because it didn't have the big horns. You know, men deer are designed different than women deer. You know, they're the aggressors. They're the ones that take charge. They ram things. They buck things. Women shouldn't be doing that with our lifestyles, with our speech. We shouldn't be ramming into things and, and knocking things over and bulldozing things down with our horns. You know, we should be the one hopping along behind the, behind the daddy deer. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to submit to our husband. And then the babies, they hop right along behind the mama. Um, and, and that's the way it was designed. And it's neat to see that even in animals, that God designed the, the men to be as the aggressors for the, they're the hunters. You know, they're, uh, Pastor Chris even said with fe or male and female turtles that their shells are even made differently. That the male turtles are more aggressive even in their shells for fighting and, you know, men stuff. So, our, our, next, our next scripture here is Proverbs 6.24. 
And it says, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Uh, and that another translation for that strange woman is seductress. Uh, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a seductress. The evil woman has a flattering tongue. A godly woman does not flatter or patronize. A godly woman has godly speech. You know, there are some scriptures that I uh, try to speak over myself because I am human and sometimes my mouth works before my brain. Um, but Ephesians 4.29 says to let no carnal communication come out of our mouth but that which edifies each other in his grace field. And Colossians says to let our speech be uh, full of grace and seasoned with salt. And if you think about salt, a little bit of salt is a good thing. A lot of bit of salt can ruin a meal. You know, so to me that says, you know, as a woman, you don't have to be talking all the time. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind or in your heart, but just enough. To, to minister grace to whoever's hearing, just enough to help, just enough to get the point across, uh, but to always have grace in our mouth, not to be flattering, because the word flatter there uh, means insincere praise or smoothness. You know, you're, you're, you're saying something, you're buttering someone up, but your heart is not in it. It's insincere. And we know that that basically is just lying. It's a nice way to say you're lying. Flattery is lying because you don't mean it. It's not in your heart. It's not truth. So it's just a, a fancy way to say you're lying to someone, and we don't want to do that. We want to always speak the truth as godly women. You know, and you don't have to teach someone how to flatter because our flesh is really good at getting what it wants. You know, if you look at children, they, they can learn until you spank it out of them. Mommy, I love you. You know, you, you say, you sit down here and, and you don't move, but I want to give you a hug. I didn't ask for a hug. I asked you to sit down. Even as children, we learn how to use our words to get what we want because that child doesn't want to sit down. So if I say, I give you a hug or, you know, I just want to give you a kiss. Well, I'm sorry. You can give mommy a kiss in a little bit. Sit your bottom down in that chair like I told you to. Their flesh has to be trained that. And ours does the same way. If it hasn't already been trained out of us, we have to take the word of God and train our flesh to get that stuff out of us. So the word flattery, you know, insincere praise or smoothness. You know, you probably everyone can think of someone they know as a smooth talker. You know, they know how to say the right things, to not answer any questions, you know, to, to get avoid whatever confrontation they want to avoid to get what they want. We don't want to be that as godly women. We want to always speak the truth. We want to always speak words that minister grace to the hearers, that are seasoned with salt, seasoned with God's word to minister help to them. You know, and that's two parts. I, I saw that part pretty quickly, but also see that, you know, as a, as a godly woman, you have to have a backbone with this because some women aren't, aren't the type that will want to just say whatever they want to get whatever they want. When someone comes to them and asks them something, they have a hard time answering truthfully. And we can't be that woman either. I'm not saying, you know, be rude, but you have to be truthful. You know, if Miss Bobby comes to me and asks me, you know, how am I doing with the youth? If I see things that she needs to correct and I don't truthfully answer her, she's coming to me, then I'm not ministering grace to her. I'm not giving her help. You know, I could, be, I could be a total jerk and say, you're just a horrible youth person. 
you know, I'm not saying that that's the other extreme, but we have to be able to have a backbone and say the truth because sometimes the truth hurts, but sometimes it still needs to be said. So, you know, especially with your children, don't flatter your children. If they ask you, mommy, you know, did I do good? You did good, honey, for your age, but we're going to practice on that. You know, be honest, you know, and with your children, you'll have to discern what age they're at and stuff like that. But be honest with your kids. Be honest with people that you speak to. Don't be a woman that's afraid to speak the truth. And don't be a woman that doesn't want to speak the truth because she wants to use lies to get what she wants. You know, there's twofold there. We have to always be speaking the truth. Excuse me. Um, our next scripture, Proverbs 7, 10, and 11, says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, and subtle, crafty, sly of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. And our curriculum says, This woman dressed like a harlot. It doesn't say that she was a harlot, just that she dressed like one. Godly women don't dress like heathen women, or I might say they shouldn't dress like heathen women. They are careful to not cause their brothers in Christ to stumble through lust and wandering eyes. Many Christian women fall into this, and I believe that it's taught to us from our, our society. You know, if you think about the media, television ads, commercials, they will use a woman's body to sell a toothbrush you know, to sell contact lenses to, because they, they use sex and, and usually they use women's bodies to sell stuff. You know, so you're, as a young child, you're exposed. This is how I'm supposed to carry myself as a woman. We have to come back to the scriptures and realize, no, there is beauty and modesty. You know, Pastor Chris says, you know, as a man, there's joy in unwrapping the present. If everyone in church can see your body, but you're fully clothed, you're, you're not clothed in the proper attire. You know, just because they make it in your size doesn't mean you should wear it. And I don't mean that, you know, for, you know, they say, sometimes people will say that for bigger girls, but even for smaller girls, if you're 30 years old and they make something that fits you, that doesn't mean you should wear it. Probably a 12-year-old should. You know, just because it fits, you shouldn't wear it. And, and, you know, this breaks my heart a lot. I have a lot to say on this, but not a lot of time. But especially now that we're having a little girl and we know that they look up to you. If you're dressing carnal and you're dressing, you know, younger than your age, your daughters are going to do the same thing. And in here, you know, we're talking to adult women. So the younger women of this church are going to be looking up to you. You know, so it is important, you know, people on your job are going to see how you dress, how things are covered or not covered, you know, and, and the latest trend doesn't necessarily glorify God. Just because it's in style doesn't mean we have to wear it. Doesn't mean we should wear it, you know, because we have to love our brothers in Christ and know that men are geared to look, we, we, we saw that, I think, in some of our other lessons, to look with their eyes, just like the, 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 the deer. He's, he's designed to look at her, to be enticed by her. So, you know, if you're dressing like a harlot, men are going to be looking at you. And the funny thing to me is that women that will dress that way will get offended when people look at them or say something. And I want to say, sweetheart, that's what you're dressed like. That's what you're advertising yourself as. 
Don't get mad because someone that doesn't look like the Stetson man hit on you. All men are geared the same. The ones you think are gross look at you the same way the ones you're wanting to attract. They all are geared the same way to look at that. And when you dress that way, that's what you're advertising. You know, when, you know, we see this with young people, but we see it with old people too. And I don't mean to say old, but older ladies that should know better. We should know better as older ladies. We should be the example to the younger generations to show them that, yes, you can still look like a lady. Yes, you can still look pretty and be covered all at the same time. A lot of what's in style today, people shouldn't wear out of their bedroom, in all honesty. They should not wear it out of their bedroom. You just go to Walmart and you can see more skin than you ever wanted to. See more at Walmart than you do the beach. And shame on mom and dad for letting them wear that stuff and even buying it for them. We cannot be those people. And I think sometimes as mom and dad, you lose sight that she's not your baby anymore. She's not seven, eight, nine. When she starts hitting 10, 11, 12, she starts to develop into a young lady. And you can no longer treat her as your little girl anymore and lose sight of the fact that she is now a young woman and teach her and help her to dress accordingly. You know, you, you know when you're five and six, you can wear something maybe that you wouldn't wear as a 12 or 13 year old and it looks cute but not when you get to be a young lady, you need to dress like a young lady. And we have to help them to do that. So godly women don't dress like heathen women. They are careful to not cause their brothers in Christ to stumble through lust and wondering eyes. Get over yourself and your youthful lust and portray godly style, not carnal fashion. Also, it says this type of woman is loud and stubborn. Lusty, rebellious, clamorous, unmanageable, boisterous, and fickle. That is a mouthful right there. And she doesn't like to stay home. She doesn't like to mind her own business, and she's not content to stay home. You know, this type of woman, she doesn't want to stay home because she wants to know everything else that's going on. And feminism has taught us that we don't even need a home. We shouldn't stay at home. Who are you to want to stay home all, all days of the week? This woman doesn't want to because she wants to see what's going on, see the latest style, get all the gossip probably, go from house to house and get herself in, in trouble and sin because she's worried about everyone else's business but her own. We have to be worried about our walk with Jesus, our lives, our home, not everyone else's business. You know, what Luke and Melissa do is not my business. You know, what Mr. Brett and Miss Bobby do is, is not my business. Unless the Lord speaks to me, you know, because, you know, technically, I guess Pastor Chris and I are over them. But that's aside the point. Other people's lives are not our business. We should be focused on ourselves and asking God to help us to get better as women. All of us have an area we can get better as as a woman. We need to be talking to God about that for ourselves and not worrying about stuff we may or may not see or we think we see in everyone else. So our next scripture, Proverbs 9.13, says a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knowing nothing. And another translation of that foolish woman calls her lady stupid. Pastor Chris really likes that translation. So lady stupid is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. This verse speaks of the foolish woman, the woman of folly. She has three characteristics. She's clamorous, loud and boisterous. And that's the type of woman, you know, you can hear her from across the restaurant. You know what's going on. She has to be seen and heard. She thinks she's proud of herself for whatever reason. 
So she wants to make sure that everyone knows she's in the room when she comes into the room. She's clamorous, loud and boisterous. Naive, which means stupid, where lady stupid comes from. Stupid and flighty. We have to make sure we're not this person either. You know, to be stupid about things means you know the right thing to do, you just didn't do it. You're not ignorant of it, you just acted stupid. Because you knew better, you just didn't do better. And flighty, we don't want to be a flighty woman. You know, no man wants a flighty wife. You know, you see this sometimes in, in younger women, they want to act stupid to try and attract the attention of young men. Oh, hee hee hee, or oh, yeah, yeah, I just didn't know. Trying to act stupid, but no godly man wants a stupid or flighty woman to be their wife. They want someone that they can count on, that they can depend on, that they can walk side by side with through life and not have to babysit all the rest of their life. You know, you don't want a wife to babysit. So we have to make sure as women that we're not flighty, that we're not hopping to the next shiny thing that we see, that we're stable, that we're focused. You know, the Proverbs 31 woman, we saw that she would consider a field before she bought it. She wasn't flighty with her decisions. You know, she took time to pray about it, to ask for guidance. She wasn't just going on to the next thing because it suited her or going on to the next thing because she got bored with the last thing that she was doing. You know, she was stable. We want to be stable, not flighty. I think of flighty, I think of a butterfly, you know, just always hopping around, going every which way. We don't want to be that woman. We want to be set on our course towards Jesus and going straight towards it and, and, and not veering to the left or to the right. So she's clamorous, loud and boisterous, naive, stupid and flighty, and knows nothing. And that knows nothing means willfully ignorant. You know, knowledge is a good thing. In Proverbs, it tells us that, that through knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Through knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Yes, we trust in God. Yes, we allow him to bring us through stuff. But some stuff comes by you having knowledge and not being willfully ignorant of situations. Willfully, she was on purpose ignorant. She just didn't want to know any better, didn't want to do any better, didn't want to get better, didn't want to change. You know, probably every woman in here could say, I have, I don't know, you could probably name three weaknesses in your life without even thinking too hard about it. But what are we doing about those weaknesses? We know they're there, but are, are we willfully just going on with life and, and being weak in those areas? Or are we trying to change and get better? Are we trying to let God help us develop those areas so they don't continually stay weaknesses? So she's willfully ignorant. Other renderings say she has no sense of shame. She is a silly woman that acts on impulses. And the Amplified reads, the foolish woman is noisy. She is simple and open to all forms of evil. She willfully and recklessly knows nothing whatever of eternal value. So she has no sense of shame. You know, you in American women, you can see that a lot. They're crass and, and brash and harsh. No sense of shame for sinning against their God. No sense of shame for half the stuff that they do that shouldn't be talked about. No sense of shame at all. We should have shame when we sin against our God. We should have shame for half of the language that comes out of our mouth as godly women. We should have shame for those things. But this, this foolish woman, Lady Stupid here, she has no sense of shame for the things that she does wrong, the things that she says wrong. We should have that. 
And she is a silly woman that acts on impulses. That takes us back to that flighty woman. You know, she just acts on impulse. She doesn't think things through. She just does what feels good. She just does what she thinks she wants to do. We can't be that woman either. We've got to be steadied and grounded in the word of God, submitted to our husband, submitted to our leadership, you know, not flitting about like that butterfly, not just doing what we feel like we want to do. You know, not a noisy woman. Again, that clamorous woman that you can hear. This is American women right there. They are loud. When we go to other countries, you know, Miss Angie can tell you, you know, and Miss Bobby, sometimes you don't hear the women. They don't speak unless you speak to them first. That is foreign to American women. We speak everything <laughs> and then some. <laughs> but uh, in, in African cultures, they don't have that issue because the women know their role. They know their place. Not that the women can't speak, you understand, but we're, we're dealing with the other extreme where we just babble all the time and say everything that we want and then some. So this foolish woman is noisy. She's simple, open to all forms of evil. That's pretty scary right there to think you're opening yourself to all forms of evil. We don't want evil. We're trying to turn away from evil and live contrary to it. But this woman's open to all of it, willfully rec reckless and knows nothing whatever of eternal value. She doesn't, doesn't care to get better and has nothing to offer anyone else as far as eternal value. We don't want to be that woman. Proverbs eleven sixteen, our next scripture here, says a gracious woman retains honor, or we could read it that a humble woman stays anointed. This is a short verse, but this is foreign to American women as well. A humble woman stays anointed. You know, a humble woman isn't full of pride. She isn't full of feminism. She isn't full of her way of doing things, her way of thinking things. She's humble and she's submitted. Women of God must be humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace and honor to the humble woman. And humility is never overrated. You know, feminism itself is full of pride. Look, look at what I can do. I can run the world. I can be the COO of a company and uh, have a husband and some kids on the side. You know, that's not what God's called us to be. He hasn't called us to be full of pride. And our heads all know that. Our heads know that God resists the proud, but sometimes we forget to live that way because we act prideful. This is something that we'll have to continually deal with ourselves on until the Lord Jesus comes back is our pride because we all have it in some form or fashion. But women, we want to take the pride in that I can run the show. I can do this. I can do it better than the man. I can do it better than my husband. Who does he think he is telling me what to do? When we stay submitted and when we stay humble, it keeps us submitted. It keeps us in our proper place. It keeps the blessings of God flowing to us, the help of God flowing to us. You know, if you think about a waterfall, when you're under that waterfall, you're getting wet. When you're submitted and in your proper place, you're getting help and anointing, like our scripture says, from the throne of God. You're getting his help. But when you get outside of that waterfall, you might get splashed on a little bit. You get further outside, you're not getting wet at all. When we don't stay submitted and humble before our God, humble before our leadership, we're not getting his help, we're not getting his anointing. How many of you think you can get through your daily life all by yourself without God's help? You know, sometimes we live like we think we can, but in our minds, we all know that we can't. We all know that we need God to put our shoes on even when they're slip-ons. You know, no tying, no Velcro involved. I still need God's help to put my shoes on. 
So we have to stay humble. A gracious, humble woman, she retains honor and she stays anointed. That anointing can help other people, flow to other people, help your family, help your children. We need God's anointing on our lives. We need his help to get through our daily lives. Our next scripture, Proverbs eleven twenty three, like a gold ring in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Discretion here is the quality of behaving or speaking in such a way as to avoid causing offense or revealing private information. Some women, especially American, I think probably only American women, are vulgar and crass. You know, they talk about bathroom business. They talk about their bedroom business with their husband. They talk about private stuff that does not need to be talked about in the open. They have no shame to publicly discuss things that should be private, and they take great delight in drawing attention to themselves by making others uncomfortable. Now, if you have two or three girlfriends or people that you run and tell everything to, you know, you, you probably need to study this scripture right here. Your husband should be the only person you're telling everything to. You know, private stuff should stay private, and your husband is your, is your key private partner, you know, not your girlfriend's, not the people you, that you work with. Proverbs equates this woman, her outward beauty to an insignificant gold ring and her inward beauty to that of a pig. No one notices a crass, tasteless woman's beauty. You know, you think about a pig pen, when the pigs go poo, nobody notices. They keep right on eating, they keep right on playing, they keep right on bumping into each other. They're used to that. We don't want to be used to that in our everyday lives. You don't notice a bow on a pig's pig's head or a ring in a pig's nose. All you notice is the smell, the stink, the slop. If you get too close, it splashes on you. You don't notice that jewelry. And that's what God says about us as women when uh, we show no discretion. When, we, when we're speaking in a way as to cause offense and we're revealing private information, that's what God says about us. No one notices how pretty you are because they can't get close enough to you. You stink too bad spiritually. They don't want to be like you. We don't want to be that woman. Proverbs 14.1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Godly women build their home. They don't destroy it through laziness or feminism. They build it through diligence, love, respect, honor, and a strong walk with God. You know, the strongest woman on the planet is one that walks with God. Not one that runs a company, not one that's a firefighter or rides a motorcycle. The strongest woman on the planet is one that walks with God. She knows who she is in the Lord Jesus. And she builds her home. She doesn't tear it down with feminism. Feminism says, don't have a home. You take care of the home. Oh man, I feel sorry for you. That's what feminism says to women in this country. You should take care of your home. As a, jo- as a wife, you're, you're the helpmate to your husband. You should take care of home base for him. That should be a place he's able to just come and relax and, and get refreshed. Not come and have to take care of everything that you've neglected through your laziness. You should take care of home base for him so he can go further in the things of God so that he can pray more for your family, pray more for the direction. He can do more as the head of your home when you're, take caring, when you're taking care of the natural things at the home. It's silly to have a helpmeet that doesn't do anything. What kind of a helpmeet are you if you don't do anything? 
We need to be making sure that we're taking care of our home, that we're building it up. We're not neglecting things. We're not being lazy. You know, we're not letting feminism speak to us and say that we're nothing if we, we take care of our home or we get, uh, we get to actually stay home and not work and take care of our home. You know, in the, the lingo in America say, you just stay at home. You know, I get to stay at home. But that's the way we've been trained to think. Oh, you just stay at home? Yes, I do. I gladly do so. But we've not been taught that way. We, we have to make sure that we build up our home. We don't pluck it down. We're not lazy, and we don't let feminism destroy it. Proverbs 18.22, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Wives, when God calls you a good thing, when your husband married you, God threw this thing called favor in with the deal. You came equipped with favor from God. That's exciting to know that God gives you favor for your marriage. You know, now you have two people walking in line with God's will. The husband was trying to get him own, his own self in line with God's will, and you as a single person trying to get your own self in line with God's will. Now you have two people in the same line. We need that favor from God, and thank God he gives it to us. Proverbs nineteen fourteen: Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. That word prudent there means wise and circumspect. And circumspect means, you know, she's looking around, she's noticing all things, she's looking in all directions. You know, she's not just focused on getting my nails done every Friday, not just focused on the latest fashion, not just focused on, I have to clean the house, have to clean the house, have to clean the house. Yes, you do, but what about these other things? She's circumspect, she's able to look all around and notice all things. If we remember the Proverbs 31 woman had a lot of things going on. She had to be very wise She'd made a lot of business decisions. We have to be wise and circumspect. She had to see and notice all sorts of things going on to get all of that stuff taken care of. The word prudent also means a keen practical sense. So she just had some natural good wisdom about her. She, she doesn't have to burden her husband with every little detail. Do I buy fruity pebbles or should I buy frosted mini wheats? You know, she has some natural wisdom about her. She learns what her family likes. She learns how the, the flow of the house works, and she manages it. She takes care of it. She uses that wisdom that she gets from the Lord to make things work. And she's careful in providing for the future is another definition for prudent. She's careful in providing for the future of her family, careful in providing the future of her children, you know, with their health, with their diet, with their finances. She's not a selfish woman taking, taking advantage of authority that she's been given. Women should desire and study and strive to be prudent, wise, and circumspect. This is a great quality to be had and one that is greatly lacking in heathen women. Carnal women typically look inwardly. You know, they're not focused on everything else. They're looking at themselves. As godly women, we've got to be looking outwardly, circumspectly in all areas. Proverbs 21.9 and 25.24 says, It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman. That's in the Bible two times. And it says, God have mercy on the man unfortunate enough to have married a brawler. Someone that wants to fight all the time. Never satisfied, wants to argue. The word for brawler here is the same as Proverbs 21.19, meaning strife, discord, and contest. 
She's contesting everything that comes from the authority, everything that comes from leadership. And that is just pride. That is you on a really big ego trip, thinking that your way is the right way. You're the only one that knows. You have to argue. It has to be your way. You can't just say, yes, honey. Yes, dear. I'll do it that way. Yes, sir. I apologize for that. Yes, sir. Sometimes that's hard on our flesh, ladies. Especially you live with that man every day, right? So you know that he dirties socks, he dirties underwear, he leaves a mess on the counter, but he's still your, your authority at home. You still don't have a right to argue with him and contest every decision that he tries to make. The godly woman must be a lover of peace and harmony, not quarreling, bickering, bickering arguments and strife. Amen. Yes, we can't be bickering and strife. We have to be a lover of peace. You know, and if you find yourself in that situation, you can turn that boat around. It could be a bumpy ride for a while, but it could still be turned around. Proverbs 21, 19, uh, and Proverbs 27, 15, and 16. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. We've gone from the housetop, now we're in the wilderness, and a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand, which berayeth itself. The man that finds himself married to the contentious, angry woman is a most miserable and shame-filled man. Now, men by design, by design are designed to lead. When you rob him of that, there's shame in his life. He can't even lead you because you won't let him. You cause shame to come to your husband when you won't let him be the leader that he's designed by God to be. God knows more than you, wife. Your husband is a good leader. He, he's designed by God to be so. The Bible says it is better to be alone than to have married this kind of woman. This reverses God's statement in Genesis that says it's not good that man be alone. But in this case, it is. He'd rather be in the wilderness with the bears and the rain and the sticks and no pillow, no bed. But it's easier for him there. In this case, it is. Other versions call the contentious woman bitter-tongued, cranky woman, and nagging woman. To restrain her is like storing up a storm wind. Storm wind can blow through anything. And grabbing a hold of her is like trying to pick up oil on, her, on your hand. You're only going to make a mess trying to pick up oil with your hand. You're not going to pick it up. This woman is the, like this. It's impossible. <laughs> She's a gusty windbag and slick as grease, our curriculum says. You'll never contain her. The husband unfortunate enough to marry this type of woman learns very quickly and usually ends up the quiet type that just hangs his head in shame. You, you know, you, you've, you've robbed him of his God-given design by being this woman. You've stolen that position from him. May God help you ladies become everything he has called and designed you to be. I'll leave you with this. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to submit to natural authority. Sometimes we choose to because we don't like the authority or we don't like what the authority is telling us to do. So we don't want to do it. You know, in some of Pastor Chris's teachings, you know, it's a scary thought to think that when the trumpet blows and God says, come up higher, will you be inconvenienced by that too? Will your flesh not want to do that at that time too because you have something better to do? Or you're more focused on yourself that you're not even paying attention to, to what, what you're hearing? 
We have to make sure that our lives are in line with God's plan, that we're submitted, that we're not hurting our husbands. We're supposed to be a help to them, not someone that causes them shame or, or you know, takes away their God-given authority. And we want to hear everything God has to say to us, especially when he says, come up higher. And even when your husband is saying to submit or do this, don't do that, that is you coming up higher. Your flesh doesn't see it that way because your flesh thinks, I'm getting, I'm getting told no, I'm getting put down. But that's you coming up higher in God because that's you submitting to God's, God's authority, God's rule in your life. And that's what we want to shoot for.